How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Josh Hutchinson, and I've got my boy John Binkle with me here today. How you doing, buddy? I am crying into my tears sweater, or excuse me, my stars sweater. <laughs> but uh, but it's nice to see uh, the team that we lost to going on and, and trouncing in the final. It makes me feel better about losing to them. So a little bit, anyway, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought Florida had that magic, and they're just not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're probably the luckiest team in this playoff by far. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think they were extremely fortunate through the first three rounds, and uh, they actually started calling penalties in the finals, which is uh, really surprising. So um, that really hurts the Panthers because that's all they do is just just fucking. Pull infractions and and don't get called for them. So uh, it's it's finally catching up to them. But uh, it's a little bit strange. Um, I wanted to ask you, because we had kind of focused on this on the last episode that we did. um, Yeah. Your cat, your new kitty. Do you have any updates (laughs) on the name? Did you pick one from the audience? No, I did not pick one from the audience. Although those were all phenomenal cat pun names. Um, And the reason I didn't, we're almost positive that uh, the cat is a she. So I I haven't uh, found any names that work for that. Although um, the cat is still way too young to like go and get shots. So we haven't taken her to the vet. So we're not positive what the sex is. It's apparently very hard to tell with kittens. Um, So, I'm mostly calling her Psycho because she's completely insane when she's not adorable. Um, yeah, but we're calling sense. her uh, we're calling her MJ right now for Madison Junior. She's named after nice. my wife. There um, you go. But uh, my wife and I play this board game. We're board game people called the Isle of Cats. Okay. And there's a cat in this game. I want to explain the game because uh, that's boring and not the content we're looking for. But um, there's a cat in this game called Oshax, and my wife's like, I really like that name. I think we should name the cat Oshax. And I'm like, okay, but there's no way we're going to call an animal Oshax all the time. And she's like, well, we could shorten it. And I thought, well, we could just shorten it to Oshi. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and then that's, that's a hockey name. Then and that's then still it's a hockey player. MJ Oshi. So, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. It's in flux right now, but it's coming full circle. We'll we'll get it ironed out pretty soon. I really like that. I think I think that works perfectly because then uh, you got the best of both worlds. You got you got a nice marital compromise, uh, yeah. and it has dual meanings. I love that shit, and I love names that no one else understands. So then you have to explain them. I think that's the greatest. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> I'm a big proponent of. I, I'm a guy that likes to buy T-shirts. Uh, I have tons of graphic tees, like tons and tons of graphic tees. But I always get them, get ones that don't like overtly say whatever it is. It, it's advertising. Uh, it's it's like just some weird picture, and then people have to like ask what it is. That's I I, I like that. It's a good conversation starter. Okay. <laughs> um, so Nate and Blake have been kind of doing a segment for a while now at the start of their show, uh, where they ask kind of random personal questions, and I thought we'd get a similar discussion started today just to kick off the show. Does that sound good, Binksy? I I wanted to just say deadpan no, um, oh, okay. and then judge your reaction. But um, I'm enjoying the energy, so I'm just gonna say, of course. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so, 
uh, we talked. Blake has been doing these gra- these cool graphics on uh, on Twitter, and has been tagging us all in in them just to try to uh, get some conversations going in the fantasy hockey community uh, about. Uh, I, I guess the first one was he took all of the Apple and Gino staff, all of our top five favorite movies of all time, and then our top five favorite snacks. Um, so we already talked about our top five favorite movies. So I thought it would be good to to ask you what was the last movie that you went to see in theaters and what did you think of it what was the last movie so normally when you ask me this question i would not have seen a movie in forever because my wife uh, does not have the attention span for movies like she's just one of those people (laughs) that's like i'm gonna go knit if we start a movie right gotcha but um there were two movies like summer blockbusters that have come out that um, i have been waiting to see forever the first one was the mario movie i saw it on uh, on like midnight release oh, nice. and uh, it touched all the nostalgia but it honestly was a crap movie and it was very much for kids and not for 37 uh, year old kids like myself yeah. um, so like my wife was bored to tears and everybody in there had neck beards and BO um, so that was fun but then directly after that we went to see uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy my wife, of course, had never seen any of the other Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so she, again, was quite bored. Uh, I really loved it, but uh, my favorite character, both in those comics and in the movie series, um, is Rocket. So uh, it was a story mostly about Rocket. So I really, really loved it. Apparently, the reception for it wasn't so great, but okay. I thought it was phenomenal, and I thought it was a good way to wrap up uh, the group before it it blew up so yeah okay your sentiment about super mario brothers that is the exact sentiment i've got from most people is that it helped hit the nostalgia points so it still was like somewhat enjoyable but as a movie it wasn't really that strong in terms of narrative Um, not at all and then the and then guardians i've heard guardians i've heard pretty good things like i haven't i haven't heard a ton about it but uh um it typically i mean those movies are are very well beloved even even um even amongst all of the the many Marvel movies, they're kind of the that's one of the more uh, beloved f- franchises or IPs or whatever within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, the last movie I saw, it's been a while. Um, uh, it, once you have kids, it, it gets really hard to go to the movies, uh, and we hadn't gone to the movies since before COVID. Becca and I used to go to the movies all the time. We're, that was that was kind of our go-to thing. We love uh, seeing basically whatever movies in theaters, getting popcorn, getting uh, fountain drinks, getting M and M's. There's nothing like movie theater popcorn. I will say that. It's uh, true. I, I, there, it, there's something about movie theater popcorn that it just it's a cut above all other popcorn. But uh, the last movie we saw was actually the first movie. Uh, that we had seen since before COVID restrictions happened. So it had been a very long time, uh, but we saw Top Gun Maverick and it was a good one to go see as like your return to theaters. It was fantastic. Such a good movie, way better than it needed to be. Honestly, Uh, the cinematography was amazing. Um, Everything about it, honestly, narratively, it was great. Uh, It was emotional. I remember feeling weird that I was crying through like the last third of the movie 
and then uh like feeling really embarrassed and then the lights came up and i looked next to me and my wife had like tears all over her face and i'm just like oh okay <laughs> i don't feel so bad but uh yeah no it was it, that was a good one but yeah we don't get out to the theaters as much anymore it's too bad but um mario brothers that was definitely one that i was hoping to see regardless of the reception just because i i was a big nintendo head when i was when i was younger so i'll yeah. still probably see catch it on on streaming or something all right, man. We got- um, I'll tell you this before we move on. Oddly enough, Jack Black stole the show in the wrong way. Like, instead oh, no. of looking at Bowser like a character that you know and love, you're really just watching Jack Black in animated form, which was kind of weird. So, oh, that he is was, weird. He was too good, if that makes sense. Like a lot of times you watch animated characters like Bradley Cooper as Rocket and you lose the actor in the character. And that wasn't, that wasn't true at all for Jack Black. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to, I'm, I'm curious to check it out still. You've, you've piqued my interest. Um, okay. We've got a lot to get through today. This is a really dense episode. We're going to try and fly through it, but we've got kind of a lot of, a lot of, uh, points to touch on. So we're going to take a look at the tw- at the top 25 forwards based on Yahoo ADP from the 2022-23 season, how they fared, whether they were worth that kind of draft capital, and what we should expect from them next year. We're also going to discuss the players that played themselves into the top 25 rankings at the end of the season, and whether what they did is a flash in the pan or whether it's sustainable. So the end of season rankings were created. The ones that we're talking about were created using cupful scoring. That's kind of what a lot of fantasy hockey people use. Um, I really like the cupful scoring for points leagues. Um, it it get, has a bit of bangers weight, which, which uh, so it kind of includes basically everything. Uh, goals are worth 4.5 points. Assists are worth three shorthanding points, one. Shots on goal, 0.5. Hits 0.25 and blocks 0.5. So let's dive into this. Number one. Can you guess? No. It was Connor McDavid, of course. No. Uh, His ADP was 1.1, which means he wasn't unanimously picked first overall. There was discussion about whether it should be him, whether it should be Matthews. Uh, McDavid was the right choice, 100%. Uh, First... It goals with 64, first in assists with 89, third in shots on goal with 352, 89 hits, 71 power play points, which was first in the league. That is the fourth best all time for power play points in a single season. 153 points, which is the highest single season total point total by anyone since 1993, uh, which was Mario Lemieux. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the highest shooting percentage of his career with 18.18, uh, but he also had the highest shot total. He shot a whole lot more. Um, he had the highest on-ice shooting percentage of his career, which was 14.87, which is insane. But there are two other years in his career where he had an on-ice shooting percentage of over 14%. I think that's a product of their power play just being stupid. And, and like... Yeah. I, I mentioned that he had the fourth most power play points of all time. The Edmonton Oilers, their power play was the best power play ever. ever. Yeah. So that's that's there's something to be said about that. Um, 
he had career highs in shots per 60. Like I mentioned, his shot rates went up. Uh, he was 16th in the league. His individual course in four per 60 was 55th in the league. And his individual scoring chances four per 60 were 18th. Um, he had a career high in time on ice. He really just took his game to the absolute next level. Uh, to me, this is repeatable. He may see some regression in terms of shooting percentage, but outside of that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that the on-ice shooting percentage regresses a little bit too, but this is kind of, I think 150 points is what you could expect from McDavid from now on. What do you think, Big C? I, I don't see any reason in reviewing all of the seasons and the season he had this year to expect anything different, right? You're talking about uh, career highs in time on ice, right? But six seasons over 21 average time on ice, almost four of which were 22, right? Three of them were 22, the other one almost 22. So all of these like massive totals, except for shot total, were right in line with his statistics thus far. There's no change in the roster coming to expect anything different. and. I understand that they're they're correlated, but that massive shot total also had a massive shots blocked total and increase mm -hmm. alongside it, right? So, I, you know, obviously those two things are going to jump together, but if you can limit even some of those blocked shots, that's going to go even higher. So there's there's no fiddle faddle. There's no dilly dally. Like this is a this is not even a one one. This is. This is just straight one, and there's no reason yeah. to expect anything different. Yeah, for sure. Number two on our list, Leon Dreisaitl, ADP of 2.4, and his end-of-season rank third. Fourth in goals with 52, third in assists with 76. Only 247 shots on goal, but, you know, as we've mentioned many times, perennial high-efficiency shooter, right? Mm -hmm. Always in the right place, taking the easier shot. Uh, 62 power play points, which was second to your boy. Um, second highest shot percentage of his career, 21. Lowest shooting percentage in the last five years is 18.45. So sky high, but the efficiency is there, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing spectacular about the rate stats. 110th in shots per 60, 132nd in individual Corsi 4 per 60, 114th in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. Career highs in assists and points. I imagine a bunch of that is tied to the power play, but no reason to expect anything different there. The on-ice shooting percentage, 15.84. <laughs> really high. Even higher than McDavid. Like a full percentage point higher than McDavid. It's crazy. That's um, that's intense. Yeah. Do you so, Is it easy 1-2 for you, or does does it get fishier after, I think, after McDavid? Well, I think there's a couple other guys that I, I would like to discuss um, after Dreisaitl um, that I think are, I mean, there's an argument for both of them to go ahead of Dreisaitl just because, so Dreisaitl doesn't shoot a ton, so that, that kind of docks him a little bit, but obviously his point totals are ridiculous. He plays on that power play. He's usually the recipient of a beautiful Connor McDavid pass for a wide open cage on the power play. It's part of the reason he scored 50 goals perennially for three or four years now um so i i mean he's gonna get above 100 points i don't see him getting to this level again um just because shooting percentage is a little higher than normal on a shooting percentage is mm -hmm. like unlike anything That's... i've ever seen 
That's um, that's what scares me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think, um, but obviously 128 points is ridiculous. Like that's mm-hmm. uh, one of the best performances in the last couple decades too. Right. So that's um, I mean, uh, it, it's hard to expect someone to perennially get above 120 points. So I think Drysaddle's a uh, 50 goal guy uh, above 100 points. Um, and he's definitely a top four lock for sure. There are four guys that I think are still the top four uh, in drafts, and he is still definitely a top four guy. Also, dual eligibility, so that 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 is nice. He's got that center left wing, which is pretty sweet. All okay. right, let's move I'll on. I'll take that as the bump. Yeah, for sure. I'll, let's move on to number three, which is Austin Matthews. His ADP was 3.1. Uh, he ended up ranked 11th. Uh, at the end of the season so a bit of a dip for him uh, he was tied for 14th in goals with 40 45 assists 7th in shots on goal with 327 he had mo- the most blocks by any forward in the league which is 92 which is new for him um, 28 power play points which is tied for 36 so that's actually pretty surprising uh, he only had 74 go- 74 games played he had a bit of injury trouble this year as per usual um, 94 point pace overall which is quite a dip for him um he was he was on close to 110 point pace last year uh, and scored 60 goals i think 67 goal pace so quite uh quite a dip for matthews but he had the lowest ipp of his career 62 percent and lowest shooting percentage of his career by far at 12.23 percent He's usually closer to a 75% IPP and a 17% shooting. Um, his rates are in line with his career numbers, so there were no dips there. Shots per 60 uh, were fourth in the league. Individual scoring chances four per 60. Uh, or sorry, uh, individual Corsi four per 60 was sixth. Individual scoring chances four per 60, second. Um, he's said to have been hampered by injuries. Some have said a hand injury. Um, yeah, that I heard would wrist and hand a lot yeah that would obviously affect your shot so even if you're getting those same opportunities um maybe the accuracy is off the power's off um that that's a big factor so um i do expect him to bounce back next year um maybe not all the way to 60 goals maybe he will bounce back to 60 goals i'm not sure but uh his rates are still among the best in the league um, he's still a top four guy. He's still getting those shots on goal, which is huge. And his peripherals have Im- have uh, improved. Um, so that's, I mean, I still think this is just a flash in the pan for him. This is just a random down year. And if he can stay healthy, he'll be he'll be just fine next year. What do you think? Man? So I have I have concerns about that because he's only played eighty two once in his rookie year, and this year we are like only seventy four games played. That's the most since then, right? So how high are your expectations in how many games that he's going to play in a season? And the narrative part of me is thinking about him getting this massive contract, right? And does he play better after getting the bag? Does he want to go to the ice and take these blocks more or less, right? And there's so much of the Leafs that could be different next year that maybe it's a completely different conversation come draft time but i'm way more concerned at this juncture than i was this time last year about austin matthews 
Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, I still think, though, here's here's the thing. I still think about Matthews. Sorry, I want I don't want to go too long about this. But this is my boy. Okay. Leaves. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, last year he had, I believe, only seventy-two games played, or seventy-three, or something like that. And still at sixty goals. Yeah. 60 goals and 109 points. So um, even with injury, I still think he is a top four guy. Uh, all right. That's all I'm going to say about that. So okay. uh, let's move on to number four. What you got for us, Bingsy? Number four, Nathan McKinnon, ADP of 4.7, end of season rank four. Tied for ninth in goals with 42. Tied for fifth in assists with 69. Nice. Second in shots on goal with 366. 34 power play points was 15th, so not incredible, but only 71 games played. Still career highs in goals, assists, points with 111 points. Shots on goal and 128-point pace, which would have been tied for second with Dreisaitl. His shooting percentage is in line with the career at 1148 this year. IPP in line with the career at 7603. Did have a career highs in shots per 60, where he was second, and individual Corsi 4 per 60 following those shots at third. His individual scoring chances 4 per 60 was 17th. So a little bit more looks and a little bit less quality looks. It seems repeatable. Could be better if he stays healthy. That, of course, always up and down with McKinnon. But yeah. um, as we know about, about Nate Mack, he is going to go out there and play throughout the season if he can. So I have I have concerns about the Avalanche, but I don't really have concerns about McKinnon. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, McKinnon, uh, I mean, I met, you were you were talking about the clear one, too, whether uh, Dreisaitl was my clear two. I think Nate McKinnon is my clear two, based on his performance this year, um, based on um, – Based on all the years leading up to this point, um, talking about how he had all this 100-point potential but just couldn't stay healthy, this is he showed us this past year what he can do. Um, the fact that he was second in the league in shots on goal despite missing 11 games, that's crazy. His shot rates were ridiculous. He would have been well over 400 shots on goal, uh, which would have, been, would have destroyed everybody. Um, mm-hmm. 128 point pace that's crazy 111 points in 71 games that's crazy i i mean i and and everything seems in line with with uh career numbers so i i mean i'm just i i think nate mckinnon is my guy nate mckinnon's my number two for sure next year i'm sold on it i like that i i do wonder how much rantanen will take another step playing with a healthy avalanche roster or whether he will take a back seat but i think we'll touch on that a bit more here in a moment yeah all right so our number five is kirill kaprizov a left winger adp 6.8 his final uh end of season rank was 31 uh he was tied for 14th in goals with 40 he had 35 assists 25th in shots on goal 261 uh, he would have been top 10 if you averaged his stats. So he did miss time at the end of the year. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you averaged his stats, he would have been in the top 10 in shots on goal in the league. Um, uh, so uh, he would only rank 24th if his stats were uh, averaged across the board 
uh, in terms of overall points. Um, so it doesn't really improve that much. He was having a down year in terms of point production. Um, and he was he had 32 power play points, which would have made him 20th in the league. Uh, he only had 67 games played. As I mentioned, he missed some time, and he was at a 92-point pace. So the year before, he had well over 100 points. Um, his shooting percentage and IPP were the lowest of his career, but not by too much. Uh, his on-ice shooting percentage, also lowest of his career at 10.7, uh, and his assists per 60 were way down from last year. Um, his shots per 60 were about the same, 11.07, which was 24th in the league. He had career highs, actually, in individual Corsi 4 per 60 and individual scoring chances 4 per 60, where he was 15th and 11th, respectively. Um, my verdict... My opinion is there's nothing wrong with Kaprizov. He played totally fine last year. And his points dip, he went from 108 to 75 points. Uh, and that's a product of injury, obviously. And then his teammates just not producing the same way that they yeah. did the year before. Uh, his assist numbers went way down. Um, and I guess he had, he had uh, like, like I said, he had uh, a down year in terms of shooting percentage, IPP, and, and then... So that would affect his goal totals, but then the on-ice shooting percentage is way low too. So um, I think Kaprizov will be fine. Maybe it really depends on <laughs> on who he's playing with, right? And that's kind of like like if you see him with Matt Boldy, that's what a lot of people have have wanted to see is uh, yeah. is is them flanking each other. Uh, but this this team has no center depth. They don't have a lot of cap. They still have that dead cap in Suter and and mm -hmm. in the Suter and Parise buyouts next year. So there's not a whole lot they can do. So uh, he's going to be an interesting one. I don't think he's in my top 10 anymore for the rankings next year just because of his situation, but he's still going to be a, a powerful fantasy player. I think for me, draft-wise, I am looking at him where he ended the season rank, probably closer to like 27 through 35, whatever your your value matches in, in there. Um, yeah. Because of the state of the team and because of what he offers you across the categories, I think it's, it's definitely closer to uh, a late second, early third round pick for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, who you got at number six? Number six, Nikita Kucherov, ADP 8.6, and the following corresponding rank in his season is nine, so right in line with that. 30 goals, second in assists with 83, 20th in shots on goal at 271. However, 50 power play points, which made him fourth. He's had 82 games for the first time since 1819, second best to point total of his career at 113, Somehow, even with those numbers, worst shooting percentage since his rookie season at 11.07, usually closer to 15% for the career. Underlying stats pretty normal for his career. Shots per 60 left him 48th at 9.85. Individual Corsi 4 per 60, 27th at 19.81. And individual scoring chances 4 per 60, 31st at 11.56. So... All of those things aren't really eye-popping numbers, but they are incredibly achievable, consistent numbers for a season where he had the second-best point total of his career. So 
-hmm. I think it was an excellent year. I think you were right on the money to not really be concerned about injuries for him going to the season. I really was. I felt like he being the motor for Tampa was a little bit ready to break down and they as a team were a little bit ready to break down and a lot of people found excellent value especially you and him and point and etc in that team so yeah. i'm always the first one off of an older or perhaps expired um like zenith of talent and i was early so i'm probably going to be a little bit hesitant to draft them again for that exact same reason but it's just like everybody said in the playoffs this year for the fifth year in a row you never bet against the lightning so Perhaps I'm just stupid. <laughs> I don't know if you're stupid. Possible. I, I think that it's possible. I think that he had uh, he had quite a few years of significant injury trouble. So I think a lot of people were moving off of Kucherov. I'm just not. I'm just not someone that's really gonna bet on that happening again. Um, and maybe that's dumb. Maybe that's dumb on my part. And I probably just got lucky this year. But uh, um, I, I still think the just the point pace. The, the consistent point pace being well over 110 points for a whole bunch of years in a row. Um, I mean, this guy, I, I feel like that's that's too hard to pass up in the top 10 for sure. Um, so and um, yeah, so I was pretty I was pretty happy with what Kucherov did this year. Um, let's move on to number seven. So number seven is Miko Rantanen. Um, he. Uh, is dual eligible, center right wing, so really nice in the top 10. Uh, his ADP was 8.8. He ended up, end of season ranking was fifth. So he had a fantastic year. Third in goals mm. in the league with 55. He had 55 assists. Tenth in shots on goal with 306, which is new for him. 37 power play, play points, which put him ninth. Um, he had a pretty average IPP uh, for him, so nothing too crazy highest shooting percentage of his career bit of a red flag there 17.92 but not crazy high for him he's typically around 16 percent, so it's a little high you might see a little bit of regression negative regression there but um i mean it's not not outlandish um his shots per 60 was 44th in the league with 10.11 individual course he four per 60 39th 18.4 individual scoring chance four per 60 76th um, he had 22-13 time on ice, which is the highest of his career by more than a full minute. Um, and this is the first time he's ever played 82 games in his career. So this is another guy that has had injury troubles in the past, has struggled to play 82 games, but he did it this year. Um, and yeah, in my opinion, it's really producible, like I, or re reproducible. Um, uh, obviously, um, there were a lot of injury troubles in Colorado this year. So a lot of, um, uh, I mean, I think he was relied upon a lot more than maybe he would have been uh, without injury troubles. But that being said, him and McKinnon are kind of the, the top two guys there. Um, so, I mean, they're going to be relied upon anyways, right? Um, yeah. But just the, the lack of depth there and the injury issues, I think, really um, shot his time on ice way up. Um but I still think that it is reproducible, maybe not to this level, maybe not to this 110-point pace. Maybe there's a bit of a regression in terms of uh, his goal totals, but I don't think 50 goals is really crazy for him again. So uh, I like Rantanen. I like him in the top 10 easily, uh, If not, and I think there's an argument for him to be in that five spot. 
I am going to seize that argument and say that I absolutely am putting him in the top five. You're talking about um, him getting that extra minute based on what we all saw was was Moose like carrying the team on his back when when their other stars were out. And I want to further inform the listeners because we say this is the first time for him to play 82 games in his career, but he has played in order 75, 81, 74, uh, truncated 42, 52, 75, and 82. So not rare that he plays what is essentially a full slate, right? And um, his goals per 60 were 1.81 this year, but three times over the career over 1.4, right? So it's a slight uptick, but it's not way higher. And I think this year gives Randon the confidence to go out and be a top six, top seven player in the league. And if he can get something going alongside McKinnon in that McDavid dry vein where perhaps the shots get a little bit easier then I think it is fully, fully reproducible, and I am like big on board the Moose Train for this coming season. I like it. We got a number eight. Number eight, the biggest fallout of the year, Jonathan Huberdeau. ADP was 12, and the end of season rank 185. You do not like to see two digits go to three digits in those categories. (laughs) He had 15 goals and 40 assists, 126 shots on goal, and 15 power play points, double, which was 126th. The on-ice shooting percentage, 9.84, and last year on ridiculous Panthers team, 1423. So lots of explanation (laughs) in that one stat. Uh, His IPP and uh, shooting percentage were low for him and lowest in more than five years. His time on ice at 1651, which is baffling to all of us, lowest since 2015, down three and a half minutes from last year. Shots per 60, lowest of his career at 5.67, just hideous numbers there for a top flight player individual Corsi four per 60 lowest his his career at 10.49 and individual scoring chances for lower than career average at 6.76 i think it is super obvious to everyone he needs more time on ice needs to not be playing below the top six which he did most of the year until the very end of the year until they were like wait a minute he's actually pretty good Uh, He needs to play on power play one, which was unexplainable, and he needs a new coach. So we're checking almost all of those boxes off just with a new coach who has um, a not addled brain. I don't know what is wrong with with Sutter, but oh oh my God, just just a a head-scratching season. Like there's no, no wonder he got fired. No wonder he got fired. Like what was he doing? And all year long, you and I and every other fantasy hockey player in the world were like, do I drop him? Is this going to continue? And all year long, we were like, it can't possibly continue. He's clearly one of the best players on the team. They brought him in for a reason. Why is it going like this? Like, there's so many jokes about, like, did he sleep with the coach's daughter? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah. And now the coach is gone. So provided that he 
doesn't have like a degenerative disease, he's got to be better, right? He's got yeah. to be better. But how much better? And where do you see the appropriate value in drafting for him? Like how long are you going to wait to seize possible value? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know at this point. Um, so yeah, well-documented Calgary, uh, one of the most unlucky teams in the league. Like they lost a number of games, uh, the, the most overtime games and, and shootout games in the league. So they were in a lot of close games and lost a lot of points that way. Um, on a shooting percentage of 9.84 is ridiculous uh, for, for a player of that caliber. Um, and part of that I think is Calgary not being able to convert on chances. And the other part is he, like you said, he'd been playing in the bottom six for a good chunk of the year. So he's not playing with the quality of players that are going to be putting the puck in the net regularly. And for someone that's uh, one of the better playmakers in the league, that's a problem. You need, yeah. you need guys to be putting the puck in the net. So, I mean, he's not a guy that really blows us away with the underlyings at all, um, at all in his career, but he did have career lows this year across the board um in the in, at least in the in the stats that we like to look at so uh I, I mean and part of that is probably uh opportunity part of that is probably he was unhappy um I, I i don't imagine that situation with the coach was was super ideal so um yeah i think i think he will improve next year i think he's a perennial 90 point guy and hopefully he gets back to that um, I think Calgary is going to surprise some people next year. So um, I, I I just I don't know where I'm drafting Huberto. I guess that's that's the the bottom line. I'll have to take a look at some projections and and uh, kind of decide from there. But it's definitely not in the top ten. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's a big secret. All right, thus let's far, move on. What's that? Thus far, before we move on to to nine, thus far for me. Um, I am feeling that same range that Marshan went into the season with where I'm trying to hunt value at like the fifth round and get an incredible sure. player at an incredible value, at least right now, blind. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty fair. I think there, there's a possibility he goes lower than that. So, uh, all right, let's go to number nine. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, his ADP was 12.1. His end of season rank was 20th. Uh, he was tied for ninth in goals with 42. He had 33 assists. Uh, he was 12th in shots on goal with 294. He had 188 hits, which is his highest total in a while. So um, not really, uh, I, I mean, not dialing back the physical play with uh, with his older age. Uh, he had 25 power play points, which is 51st in the league. Um, that's a little low for him. Uh, he only played 73 games, uh, which is the lowest of his career in an 82-game season. Um, so he had a bit of injury trouble, which is unusual for him. Um, and so he was at an 84-point pace, which was pretty typical of him the last five or six years. Um, he had a pretty normal IPP and a pretty normal shooting percentage for him. Uh, his shots per 60 was second lowest of his career, but not by much. It's not, not to, a, to a notable level. Um, it, it was still 10th in the league with uh, 11.96. Uh, his individual course of 4 per 60 was 5th in the league with 23.51. And his individual scoring chances 4 per 60 was 42nd in the league with 11.11. Um, still going strong. He's still still super steady. Uh, I think if he stays healthy, um, I, I, I don't see a big drop off here. 
and, and I, I'm still pretty bullish on Ovechkin. I think the only reason he's ranked 20th is um, because of that injury, or that injury trouble this year. So if he stays healthy, I think he's still the same old guy. Uh, the back end of the first round, I think, is a good spot for him. And if you can get him any later, that's really good value. I definitely agree with that. The The average time on ice has been, what, super steady for the last 10 years at, mm-hmm. at 20 minutes. Um, I do want to note that a few of those games this season were, um, I think he, his father passed away. Um, oh, yes. So he was actually right. on, on bereavement. So there were some injuries in there. That. But you, you take out that bereavement um I think it was like three or four games that he missed, and he's right on par with last season's 77 games played. Uh, yeah. You know, he will be 38 years old next year. It will be his 19th season in the NHL, but it's, you know, he's a machine. Like, you just kind of have to assume yeah. that things are going to continue the way they are, and, and there's been nothing this season that would indicate a drop. So I think, I think you have to keep going to the well. I think it's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, I totally agree. Number 10. Number 10. Sasha Barkov. ADP 14.2 and his end of season rank 53. 23 goals and 55 assists with 30 power play points, which ended him up 27th. Only 68 games played and a 94-point pace. The shooting percentage was just over 11, which is low for him, although he does tend to fluctuate year to year and averages around 14%. The IPP also pretty average for him. Uh, Shots per 60, 103rd at 8.65. Individual Corsi 4 per 60, 145th at 1434. And individual scoring chances 4 per 60, 124th at 8.94 all pretty standard the team did as we saw with the end of the the season in the playoffs they really did really did turn it on all year long we said the panthers are not especially playing well however all the underlying stats are there the talent is there they got duclair back they really turned it on down the stretch and through the playoffs and they don't really stand to lose anyone from this coming roster like there's going to be a couple of changes but there's not going to be any any massive swings um although barkov has only one 82 game season in his career in 2019 and he does usually struggle to stay healthy but he could increase goal totals next year where does this leave you are you more or less concerned about barkov or is it really just going to be consistent next year yeah, I'm pretty status quo on Barkov. Uh, I mean, he's perennially at a 90, 95 point pace. Um, it's just a matter of if he can stay healthy, which, I mean, perennially you're expecting him to miss about 10 to 15 games. Um, as a guy that is not typically super concerned about injury, I mean, it's tough. It, 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 he, it, it seems to be the same pretty much every year. He's at the 65 to 70 games played, but... Um, not not a huge deal. I'm his. I mean, his underlyings don't aren't really eye popping, um, but they never really are. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a guy that that produces. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm just. I think I, I'm usually lower on Barkov than other people, and especially I with the well. sen- 
with the center only um, position. Uh, I'm usually fading centers unless they're those top four guys. Um, So he's not usually a guy that I'm picking up, but I think, I think second round is, is pretty reasonable for Barkov, which is kind of where he was drafted this past year. So, um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not like super high on him, but I, I mean, he's still a fantastic player. He's going to, if, if you pick him up, you're, you're going to be happy, I think. Um, all right. Number 11. This is a big one. Uh, Matthew Kachuk. So he, uh, his ADP was 15.6. He ended up ranked sixth overall he was tied for 14th in goals with 40 tied for fifth in assists with 69 nice uh eighth in shots on goal with 327 and 36 power play points which put him tied for 10th um his shooting percentage was down four percent from last year and he only had two less goals so that just shows you he he improved his shot rates by by quite a bit you're shooting a lot more not super surprising because florida again like we had mentioned had a ton of injuries this year um so he was relied upon a lot uh and he really was their most consistent producer this year uh his ipp pretty normal for him so not not crazy uh his on ice shooting percentage uh, was 11.6, which is actually down down 2% from last year. Um, and he's still at a higher point total. Um, so here's the stat that kind of explains that. Uh, his, he had the highest time on ice of his career by far at, at 20, uh, 20 minutes, 26 seconds. Uh, and I don't see that really changing next year. Uh, he had the highest shots per 60 of his career. He was ninth in the league. Individual Corsi 4 per 60 was the highest of his career. Uh, it was He was 23rd. And individual scoring chances 4 per 60, also highest of his career. He was 7th in the league with 13.34. These are elite numbers. This is a pure breakout for Matthew Kachuk. And, I mean, you could say that he had a pure breakout the year before. But I, I think a lot say, of people I mean, were... It's only... It's only five more points this year. Yeah. So a lot of people were expecting a drop off, but he really took it to the next level in terms of his underlyings. And the fact that his shooting percentage was down uh, and on a shooting percentage was down and he has a higher point total. That's huge, man. Like that's that just shows that he could he I mean, he could take it to an, another level further. Uh, and you're seeing in the playoffs right now, like he is destroying worlds. Uh, he's been arguably the best player in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I, I think Matthew Kachuk's the real deal. I think he's a clear cut first round player next year. Um, maybe the top right wing in the entire draft, at least right wing only. Um, what do you think, Binksy? I think it's entirely possible that he wins a con Smythe on a losing team. Yeah. Honestly, because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the way the, the talent is scattered for Vegas and the way Kachuk has been the the walk-off goal, literally get off the ice type against massive odds. Like, I, I think it's entirely possible that he does that this year. And I think it's well-deserved. I think you're absolutely right. Even with it only being a five-point increase, he has had a very different season, right? He has been the star instead of... Um, a quality player on an elite line. So Mm -hmm. I just don't know how far he jumps other players for me. Like he doesn't, he doesn't automatically shoot into the top five for me. I think right where he's at 
in in our uh, in our list at 11 is is kind of more appropriate. I don't, in my gut, think there's another gear. Um, I think it's right here, and I don't think that's anything to scoff at at 100 plus points. I do expect Florida to be a little bit better all the way through the season next year, and I think that that will fluctuate in both ways for him, right? He'll be expected to do a little bit less on the whole, but he will also be expected to be the star of the team night in and night out. And for someone that um, upped their shifts this year, I, you know, I, I think everything is a positive indicator. I just don't know how much better it gets for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, who do you have at 12? Number 12, Mitch Marner, ADP 17-2, and his end of season ranked 23rd, which is still pretty damn good for a player that leans on assists in in a format that is um, pretty significantly weighted more to goals and shots. So 30 goals, tied for fifth in assists, 69, nice. Five shorthanded points, which left him tied for sixth, which is as a reminder to y'all in this format, one shorthanded, one point per shorthanded point. So uh, that is a bonus. 196 shots on goal is the lowest total of the top 25 players. So clearly he can get it done for you as a fantasy player, even being primarily a distributor. 36 power play points left him tied for 10th. And keep in mind, Matthews did not have a great season on the power play. So if that rebounds, perhaps it gets better. He had 99 points for a career high, which feels really, really good um, going into the season and prognosticating him as a 100-point player. His IPP and shooting percentage are normal. His shots per 60, lowest of his career at 6.91. His individual Corsi 4 following that, lowest of his career at 14.17. And individual scoring chances for also lowest career of 7.05 so perhaps there's more for him as a scorer that is something that I leaned on a bit going into this season and trying to select him as someone that I thought was going to take a jump I think he has the prowess to be that scorer and who knows what's going to happen with the big four in Toronto who knows what's going to happen with the coaching who knows what direction that they're going to go in but I think there is always going to be that possibility for Marner to become a scorer if it's um, if like that's absolutely necessary whether things change on the Leafs whether he's not on the Leafs whether he goes to a team where he is absolutely the star if he isn't playing second fiddle and able to distribute in that same way perhaps he goes to more scoring Uh, like you mentioned here not an underlying stat world beater But it is confusing that his shot rates are way down, especially in a season where Matthews missed a bit of extra time. Mm -hmm. And despite that, he still puts up points. So Mitch Marner goes up and down for me about seven or eight slots, depending on the formatting and the point distribution in your league. But I I still seriously believe in old Mitch to unleash the Fury and start scoring at a way higher than 30 goal pace. Like it wouldn't shock me if he was a 50 goal scorer. And I, is that just a pipe dream? Do you see that in Mitch Marner's game? 
I, I mean, yeah, I think that's the most frustrating thing about it is that um, we've been yelling at Mitch to shoot more because the the problem with uh, the least power play really was not a great power play before last before two years ago. Um, and part of that is because Marner would play the flank, Matthews would mm-hmm. play the other one, and he would always just try and find the cross seam pass to Matthews. Everyone knew Marner was passing every single time. He was not a shot threat because people just knew that he wasn't going to shoot, and then it was just not effective. So last year, not this past season, but the one before, Marner upped his shot rates and ended up with 35 goals. He looked fantastic. And, and it com- completely changed their power play. It completely changed uh, their look five on five. And, man, like, uh, I don't know what happened last year, this past season. Sorry, I, I'm getting them all, <laughs> getting them kind of mixed up here. But this past season, I don't know why his shot rates went down. I don't know why he didn't stay status quo. Um, I don't know if it's because they were mixing lines up more. Um, and he wasn't finding the right chemistry with whoever he was playing with. But, yeah, the fact that his shot rates are the lowest of his career is concerning. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think he has it in him to maybe hit 40 goals. Um, I think he hasn't been that far off. And, honestly, in this down year, he's still at 30. Um, yeah. But it's just – he's just got to take it to another level. He's got to shoot the fucking puck. I don't understand, yeah. man. I don't get it. <laughs> It's, it's extremely frustrating. All right. Let's move on to 13. So, 13 is Steven Stamkos. Uh, he is a center left wing dual eligible player. His ADP was 19.6 and his end of season ranking was 26th. Um, he had 34 goals, 50 assists, 240 shots on goal, 92 hits, and 35 power play points, which would have put him 14th in power play points. Uh, he had a huge dip in IPP, 61.31, which is the worst of his career. He's usually in the low 70s, so that's like a 9% dip from career averages, so that's really low. Uh, and he had the worst shooting percentage since his rookie season with 14.17%. Um, so his underlying stats were pretty normal for him. Shots per 60, 69th in the league, nice once again. Nice. Uh, individual course, 4 per 60, 50th. Individual scoring chance, 4 per 60, 40th. I think he's going to bounce back next year. That's that's what those numbers say to me. IPP and shooting percentage way down. Uh, his underlyings are the same. I think he'll be just fine. I think he's still probably a second-round player uh, in terms of fantasy drafts. Um, but, yeah, don't be too concerned about, about this 26th ranking. I think he's probably going to bounce back next year. What do you think, Big C? I'm on board with all of that. Um, Stamkos is is one of those players in your draft where you are never going to feel bad drafting him and putting him on your roster, especially at dual eligibility, like, and at left wing dual eligibility at that. It's, it's always going to be good. I'm always for it. All right. 14. Number 14, Johnny Gaudreau, ADP 20, rank 90. Yikes. 21 goals and 53 assists with 220 shots on goal. Not a banger, as we all know. 24 power play points left him 57th on what was, for the most part, pretty dismal offensive team. Uh, Second lowest shooting percentage of his career at 955, usually around 13. IPP average for him for the season. His on-ice shooting percentage, 10.32. 
So kind of pretty low. Than I would have expected. Yeah, low, but yeah, better pretty lo- than low, I but better than in Columbus. Than you would yeah, expect for, sure. for Columbus, but. Um, I have to say, before we move to the rest of the stats for Columbus, they are they are clearly interested in being a better team right off the bat. So <laughs> yeah. I am right back to buying in. Um, his rate stats were all career highs last year, back down to normal levels for him this past year. Pretty much to be expected coming off that line and then moving to literal Columbus and metaphorical Columbus. Shots for 60, <laughs> 112th at 846. Individual Corsi 4 per 60, 102nd, 15.37, and individual scoring chances for per 60, 143rd with 8.73. I don't know what to expect from Gaudreau. I think it's somewhere in the middle of last year's Calgary team and this year's Columbus team. Yeah, It's good. It's not great. It's more likely that someone is going to draft his name higher than I want to draft him. And I feel like that opens up value possibility, but in the parts of your draft where you're going to be getting him at value, I feel like there are other players that you're going to get at uh, intense value that really, really pay out. Whereas Gaudreau, you're just kind of hoping has a good season, not a great season. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's uh, he'll definitely improve next year, uh, I think. Um, I mean, you, you hope that Patrick Laine stays healthy. Um, that That's going to be huge for him. I think that was part of what got people really excited about Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus. Um, but yeah, that uh, I mean, lower, second lowest shooting percentage of his career, so I imagine his goal, to- goal totals will come up. You hope his rates go back up a little bit, um, but no guarantees there. Um, yeah, I, th- I, think, um, I think Columbus is going to be a little better next year. And uh, I mean, I said that last year, but... I, yeah. I, I, I mean, they really I, should who be. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you can't get much worse. And you can't – I mean, they had so many injury troubles. Like, half – most of their team was hurt. Uh, Gaudreau was really one of the only healthy guys on the team. So uh, – and that definitely hurts his numbers too. So, uh, I think he will improve. This is another guy that I don't draft a lot just because of the lack of peripheral um, weight. Or the lack of peripheral – like, he doesn't – he doesn't hit. He doesn't block. Uh, doesn't have super high shot numbers, um, but he definitely does have value. I think he's probably, I don't know, a fifth, sixth round guy maybe mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. Um, that's where you're probably going to get the most value out of him. So um, that's that's what I'd be saying about control. I think he's going to improve, but I don't think he'll hit the the Calgary numbers that he did a couple years ago. All right, let's go to number fifteen. We got Sidney Crosby. His ADP was 20.8. His rank was 18th. That's pretty good value for Crosby. 33 Mm -hmm. goals. He was tied for 14th in the league in assists with 60, 255 shots on goal, 27 power play points, which is 43rd. So that's actually pretty low. Uh, His IPP and shooting percentage were a little lower than his career averages. So a little room for improvement there, or room for regression, uh, positively, that is. Um, his underlyings also pretty normal for him. Shots per 60, 74th. Individual sc- course four per 60, 79th. Individual scoring chance four per 60, 91st. Pretty steady for Crosby. This is a good year for him. Um, this is kind of what you expect from Crosby at this point in the 90, like 90 something points. Um, I think Pittsburgh, man, it, it's tough. Uh, I don't see Crosby tailing off. At this point, 
Pittsburgh is a bit of a mess, though. Uh, they don't really know what direction they're going in. We'll see if Kyle Dubas can kind of uh, what he can do with this roster, but they're they're a bit of a mess right now. Uh, but Crosby, I think, is steady Eddie. I don't think you really have to be worried about him. What do you think about Crosby? I think just like Ovechkin coming into a 19th season, 19th season he'll be 36 years old. Um, just massive minutes year in and year out that aren't concussed. Um, incredibly consistent at over 20 minutes on ice for the last decade. Unlike Ovechkin, I do kind of expect this to tail off in this coming season. I think the Penguins are seriously on the downslope, and I don't think Dubas has the the fan capital to come in and start selling off major names to transition right now. I think it's going to be more of the disappointment that Penguins fans experienced at the end of this season this year. And I think it's going to be more of the same next year. I really expected them to be like in the fight all year long and then sneak into the playoffs and do what Florida has done, just be a really, really strong team in the playoffs. And I didn't see it. I just didn't see the fight for them in the latter quarter of the season. And I don't, I don't emotionally feel like they're going to come back on fire next year. I really feel like this is the twilight for for Crosby. And I think you're still going to get pretty solid value out of him. I think you're going to get a little bit less than what you've come to expect from Crosby. I don't see it as quite 90 points, but I think he's going to be a, a point-per-game player like he has been, right? But at center and at this point in the draft – I'm not going to be doing it. I'm not going to be doing it. I'm not going anywhere close to it. Yeah, I, I think that's an understandable take. Who you got at 16, Binksy? At 16, JT Miller. Tri-eligible, ADP 23.4 in the end of season, ranked 21. 32 goals, 50 assists, 9 shorthanded points, which was tied for first. 200 hits and 30 power play points, which left him 26th. His IPP was down slightly, but still on the higher end for his career. Shooting percentage at 1435 was pretty normal for him. His on-ice shooting percentage lowest since coming to Vancouver at 1144. Highest hit right since coming to Vancouver. Shots per 60, 799, and individual Corsi 4 per 60, 14.47, were the highest of his career at seemingly pretty standard numbers right for that mm -hmm. level of player individual yep. scoring chances four per 60 on the higher end as you note here still very valuable do you expect it to be better for him in vancouver do you expect him to be in vancouver what do you think's going on with jt miller yeah that's the real question he's been in a lot of trade talks um pretty much for all of last year um so we'll see if he stays in vancouver i think Vancouver is very offensive, um, that's for sure. I think their issue is not is not scoring goals. Uh, so, uh, and JT Miller has been a big part of that offense. I really felt like, uh, I mean, based on the way everyone talked about him, I didn't roster him in any of my leagues this year, um, but I was thinking he had a huge drop off uh, just because of the negativity surrounding him. But this is a solid year for him, really good. 
Um, yeah. Still in the top 25 in terms of end of season rankings. I think he's still a second round player in drafts next year, especially that try eligibility. That's new for him. Um, so that's a uh, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still big on JT Miller. I love the banger weight. Uh, love, love the 200 hits. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still on the JT Miller train for sure. I am higher on him going into this year than I was going into last year. I, I, um, like I, I bought into the, the narrative, just like you said that, you know, things were really, really rough for them and that he was kind of overinflated both in terms of, of the NHL and in fantasy hockey. And I was a bit shocked even rostering him in a few places to see the end of season rank. Uh, especially in a points league, even with a little bit of banger weight, but with 200 hits, I mean, that's, he's, he's out there. He's on the ice. He's a player. He's going to be a player for whatever team he goes to. And hopefully it happens in the off season. So he has time to get acclimated. I think somewhere a little bit after 20 is a, a completely, um, applicable and, and reasonable place to draft him. And just like you said, with the narrative being way down for people who aren't paying that much attention to to the season he actually had numbers-wise, I think there's some value to be had, especially with that super important triageability. I like it. I'm in. Yeah, for sure. All right. Number 17 was Artemi Panarin. Uh, his ADP was 23.4. His end-of-season rank was 39. Uh, he had 29 goals. He was tied for 10th in assists in the league with 63, 204 shots, 36 power play points, which had him tied for 10th. Um, his IPP was a little low for him. His shooting percentage was pretty normal. Um, but it's his on-ice shooting percentage, which was really low for him. It was his lowest since Columbus. And you'll see that as a trend as we talk more about the New York Rangers. They really struggled to put the puck in the net uh, this year. So his uh, underlying numbers uh, are very average for him. He's not really an eye popper in terms of uh, shots per 60, individual Corsi four per 60, scoring chances four. Uh, he's a playmaker, um, doesn't shoot the puck a lot. Um, I don't think you should expect him to, to do much more than this on a yearly basis. He's a 90 point guy. Um, yeah, a little bit uh, of room for positive regression in terms of on a shooting percentage. Um, especially because he plays uh, pretty much like on the, on PP one all the time. Um, typically your on ice shooting percentage is better um, when you're playing on the power play. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of what to expect from Panarin. He's another guy that I tend to straight to shy away from um, just because he doesn't shoot the puck so much. He's very Mitch Marner esque and maybe not even in the same caliber as Mitch Marner. I think That's he's maybe a step below. So um, I think he's more of a third round value, uh, maybe even lower. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think I think that's absolutely right when you're talking about players like Panarin, players like Gaudreau, players like Marner, where you you wonder if there's another gear, if you wonder if there's a better situation, if there were some some positive regressions coming for for whatever reason it may be. Panarin doesn't tick any of those boxes for me, right? Panarin is what we expect Panarin to be, and even though we can reasonably expect the Rangers to be excellent, he is kind of just a part of that. He's not the driving force behind that, and that follows in fantasy stats. So 
Um, I'm very okay with shying away from Panarin. I think that's sage advice to to not expect anything groundbreaking from him. Yeah. All right, number Moving 18, on in the what list, you got? David Pasternak, ADP 24-2, and his end-of-season rank. Are you ready for this? It's two. Yeah, what baby. season for the pasta. Second in goals at 61, 52 assists. First in shots on goal with 407 shots. 91 hits, and those were career highs across the board. He ended with 37 power play points, which placed him eighth. He had 113 points. His IPP and shooting percentage, very normal for him. Back-to-back down years in shooting percentage the prior two years, back up to almost 15%. 15%. On a hundred first and shots on goal, four hundred and seven. Like that's yeah. intense. And consider that you know, emotionally, physically, like they tapered off towards the end of the season. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't need to go at full bore. So that could have been even better had they been in the mix all the way through it. Um, on ice shooting percentage, up at thirteen point four seven. Clearly, they were a monster yeah, this year. They were crazy. career highs in. All underlying stats, shots per 60 first, 15-22. Second place over a full uh, shots per 60 less. So even that much better than those rankings would indicate. Individual Corsi 460 first with 27. And second place over two individual Corsi 4 less. Individual scoring chances 4 per 60 left him fifth at 13.99. Unreal stats for him. Crazy numbers. Crazy. Is it it a lock to do it again? Can they possibly be that good again? Can he be that good again? Here's my my thought on Pasternak. I think he can. Uh, I don't know if he will, uh, but I think this is reproducible. His time on ice was also a career high at 1933. Um, I think... These numbers, he's always been an elite underlying shot generation player. He's always right at the top of the league. Um, but this year, he took it to another level. Like like you said, second place in terms of shots per 60 were a full shot per 60 less. That's huge. Um, and second place in individual Corsi 4 per 60 were almost two individual Corsi 4 less. That's crazy. So, like, he dominated the league in underlying stats. Like, he was the clear-cut. If you had an award for individual rate stats, he he's the runaway favorite. He's the Connor McDavid of that. Well, maybe not quite. That's maybe not a great comparable. But um, <laughs> what a year for, for Pasternak. And actually, we had talked about um, who is your number five, your clear-cut number five in the draft next year. I actually think it might be Pasta for me. Um the only factor is Boston, I think, is getting older. The players around him are getting older. Um, the big factor for me, though, is five on five. Pasternak wasn't playing with Bergeron and Marchand most of the year. He was playing with Krejci and, and Taylor Hall or Krejci and uh, Zaka, uh, I think. Zaka. Like he was, yeah, yeah just like kind of like he was all over the place. So it's not like. I mean, he, he's doing this himself, and he proved that. Like, he doesn't have to play on the perfection line, I hate that name, um, to be who he is. <laughs> um, so, so I, yeah, I love Pasternak, and I love this. Uh, I love this for next year as well. 
Okay. Take it to the All bank. Right. Yeah, love it. All right, number 19 is Chris Kreider. Mr. 50 goals last year. He's a dual-eligible winger, uh, left wing, right wing. His ADP was 27th, uh, and his rank, 77th. Um, mm. He had 36 goals, so a big dip from last year. 18 assists, 128 hits, so he does have some, some – uh, he does bang a little bit. He had 20, 229 shots on goal, 17 power play points, which is 103rd. That's way down from last year. He was, yeah. I believe, a 30% shooter on the power play last the previous year, uh, which is a big reason why he um, had so many goals. Um, he, he had the second lowest IPP of his career, so... It was down 15% from last year, and his shooting percentage was 15.72, which is down almost 5% from last year. But that shooting percentage, 15.72, that's more reasonable for Chris Kreider. That's that's kind of what you should be expecting from him. His on shooting percentage was his lowest since 2018. Again, another New York Ranger, as we mentioned with Panarin. They struggled to put the puck in the net at times. Uh, it was 11.51%. His underlyings are pretty similar to last year. Uh, shots per 60 was 64th in the league. Individual course, 4 per 60, 91st. Individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 29th. So gets quality chances. He's he's very good uh, in terms of quality chances. He I think he just drives the net really hard and lets the skill players around him uh, do their work. Um, he still has really nice underlying numbers. I I, I think uh, they're pretty solid. Um, he just kind of was coming back to reality after his shoot, shooting percentage bender the previous year. So this is kind of where you should be drafting Chris Kreider around 70, 80 overall. Um, and that's what you should be expecting from him. What do you think, Binksy? I think that is just transparently true about Chris Kreider. I think we knew that going into the season that he was going to taper off a bit in terms of those like unreal uh, goal totals and, and power play goal totals. Um, I didn't think any of us saw the Rangers being just that far behind where they were last year, especially with the influx of el like elite level talent that came onto the team. But I think that may have had a further negative impact on Kreider uh, there was a different way of them trying to score with all of those players on the team, right? They weren't necessarily just putting it on the net and seeing what could what Kreider could dump, what he could tip, what he could um, take that easy cross-ice pass, right? So I think you're absolutely right. I think Kreider is 77. I think he's 80, 85, and it's going to be a consistent good player for you on a great team with with lots of possible upside like it was in the previous season but it's it's more likely to be what it was this year yeah for sure all right who you got at 20 number 20 my least favorite fantasy player kyle connor adp <laughs> 28.4 end of season ranked 32 which Seems a little better than I would have expected, honestly. Uh, 31 goals and 49 assists with 273 shots on goal, which left him 18th in the league. 29 power play points was 32nd, so right in line with his overall rank. Seems to be heavily tied together there. Lowest IPP since rookie season, 67-23, down 13% from last year. 
Shooting percentage was lowest since his rookie season, 1136, typically around 15%. I think those are incredibly indicative stats for his season this year and, and the Jets mm-hmm. in general. Uh, time on ice down a full minute from last year, but still over 20 minutes. I don't know how to make sense of that. I think we'll have to dive deeper there. Shots per 60 down from last year, but still second best of his career with 973, which left him 38th. Individual Corsi 4 per 60, career high 47th at 1771, and individual scoring chances 4 per 60, a career high 38th with 11.26. You think he should rebound from this down year. How high does he bounce? on this rebound, do you think? Um, I think he, well, I mean, his shooting percentage uh, go being 4% lower than normal, I mean, that's huge. He's a high volume shooter. Um, obviously, you said he was 18th in the league in shots. That's kind of what you'd expect from him. Um, he, he His shot rates were a little higher last year, um, but his, I mean, his scoring chances for were were up from last year. He just had uh, bad puck luck, essentially. Um, so I, I think you see him back between 40 and 50 goals, um, probably closer to 40. Um, and then in terms of assists, I mean, it really, I, I mean, I, it's hard to say. Just, I think Winnipeg is interesting. There could be a lot of change there. So, um, those assist totals will really be um, affected by who he's playing with. Um, and yeah. then, like you said, his time on ice was down a little bit. Uh, I mean, Rick Bonus, um, it's bonus. is the new it's coach the this factor. year. So that's 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 a big one. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is lack of puck luck at a low IPP. Um, I think you'll see some positive regression there. So I, th- I still think he's a second-round player in terms okay. of fantasy drafts. So, um I I'm still I still am okay with Kyle Connor at that level. All right, let's go to okay. 21. We've got Mika Zibanejad, another New York Ranger. Uh, his ADP was 28.8, and his rank was 15th. So people got really good value on Zibanejad this year. He had a career year: 39 goals, 52 assists, 251 shots on goal, a career high 91 points. 39 power play points which actually put him seventh um his ipp was the second highest of his career um and his shooting percentage was a little high for him but not unreasonable at 15.54 so that may explain um a little bit of why his numbers were up uh his on ice shooting percentage was actually his lowest since 2019 so 11.78 so that's in line with the other rangers that we spoke about but for whatever reason zibanejad uh had the puck luck uh himself i guess or enough enough to uh to not be affected as much by that on that low on ice shooting percentage um his underlying numbers were all pretty normal for him uh shots per 60 77th individual course four per 60 75th individual scoring chances four per 60 153rd so really a high volume shooter but doesn't really get a ton of um uh, a ton of great scoring chances um but he has a great shot so it doesn't really matter so much um i think he could reasonably reasonably repeat this you may see a bit of negative regression but i think zibanejad is around a 90 point guy and and should be um you should 
expect him to be around that. Uh, what do you think about Mika? I think Zib is um, right at the top of where I want to start drafting centers in my draft, provided that I'm not like uh, unexpectedly stockpiled with some of the best in the first 10, right? So in that area of the draft where I want to get Zib, he's a little bit high. I'm probably going to lose to other people that are going to draft him seven, maybe 10 spots before I will, but, but he is right there at the precipice of when I want to start getting quality centers. And if I have him, I'm incredibly excited to do so. I feel like the Rangers should be a bit better next year. And I think he will be a major player in that just like he was this year. Yeah. All right. 22. Who you got? The Brady Kachuk, the beer man himself, 29.2 ADP. His end of season rank was 12th. Of course, this does have a banger weight, so take that into account. 35 goals and 48 assists. Fourth in shots on goal at 347. That does seem very high for him. 11th in hits with 242. 29 power play points left him 35th on a very successful power play team. His IPP and shooting percentage pretty average for his career at 64 and 10%, respectively. Career high in points at 83. Career high in underlyings, which have been elite for a while. Shots for 63rd at 13 to 63. Individual Corsi 4 per 60 10th at 21.94. And individual scoring chances 4 per 63rd with 15.04. Those are yeah. incredible rate stats. He is definitely the star of that team at this point i yeah. love everything about brady kachuk i think it could be quite a bit better than this if things get better for the senators overall if they really yep. start dominating games he will be the the preeminent star player on that it is interesting to note lowest hit rate since rookie season and thus far has been a fringe first rounder in points leagues. He is a what top four pick in a bangers cats. So yeah, I think you're, so. you're you're gonna have to go out and and draft him. I feel like there's a lot of people that are gonna be drafting in the seven, eight, nine slot that will kind of feel like they have to draft him because they missed on on who they really wanted in the first round, but uh, I think I think Brady really has a chance to be a top 10 player in the league next year. Yeah, he took it to another level. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously the hit, the hits are huge. The shots are huge. Um, his, I mean, underlyings, like, like you said, they've been elite for a long time, but he took it to another level this year. So um, he's really a high-volume shooter, low-percentage shooter, though. Um, so that's that's an area that could improve, um, and that would really just skyrocket him. So yeah, like like you said, I think Ottawa's situation is improving. So um, I like him for next year as well as a fringe first rounder in a points league and top five in a bangers cats easily. So um, before we move to to twenty three, yeah. I'm reviewing his last few seasons. Okay. This season, 347 shots on goal. Last season, 288. The season before that, 220. 10.1 mm -hmm. shooting percentage this year, 10.4 last year. So uh, almost 
60 more shots this year on goal, and the shooting percentage is the, sh- the same. The yep. total shots attempted is way higher this year than last year, over, over a full hundred more total shots attempted. So I wonder if the shots on goal come down a bit and his shooting percentage gets a little bit better next year. Throughout his five years, 10-3, and 10-1, I think there is a real possibility that he goes to a 12 or a 13% shooter and perhaps finds a better shot opportunity. If those elite rate stats get even better, if he can be that much more effective and really, really jump into your true top six, top seven point producing players. I think it's possible. It would definitely be be great for fantasy owners. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. Uh, number 23 is Sebastian Ajo. His ADP was 29.9. His rank at the end of the season was 66th. He had 36 goals, 31 assists, 218 shots on goal, 15 power play points, which is very low. Uh, shockingly mm-hmm. low, actually. Uh, that's 131st in the league. Uh, he had the lowest IPP of his career with 64%. Shooting percentage, pretty average for him, 16.5. On-ice shooting percentage is 10.66, which is super low. Very low for him, especially for a guy that plays on the power play. Um, his underlyings are pretty typical. They're not eye-popping. Uh, 87th in the league in shots per 60, 99th in individual course four per 60, 72nd in individual scoring chances four per 60, my thoughts on Sebastian Ajo, he's another guy I don't draft a ton. Uh, he, I think he's a point-per-game guy perennially. I think this is a down year for him. Um, I think Carolina suffered from injuries this year, and uh, they're a team that for a few years has been dominant in terms of shot share um, in pretty much every game. They, they, they get just a huge high volume of shots and just don't convert. Uh, so, uh, and this was just another level. Their on-ice shooting percentage, you'll see that with a lot of Carolina players, uh, was super low. So um, I think there'll be a bit of a bounce back. I think they'll probably retool a little bit offensively because they that's clearly what they need. Um, you saw that in the Florida series. They just struggled to score. Yeah, they um, just couldn't so, score. So I think Ajo will rebound, but I don't see his ceiling being above 80, 82 points. Um, That's kind of what to expect there. So in that way, I feel like even third, even early third round, which is kind of where he was drafted last year, is a little high for him, especially as a center. Um, Certainly not where I would be drafting him. What what do you think, Banksy? I think that's way too high for a really high floor pretty low ceiling kind of uh, top level player right he's clearly the the best fantasy producer on their team and he is a very consistent player but where you're going to draft tahoe even with like incredible value even if you're pulling him in like the fifth round it's another situation like barkoff it's very similar to me in that it's going to be good it's not likely to be incredible. And when you've got your ceiling guys in the first, or your floor guys in the first three rounds, 
for the next three rounds, the next four rounds, which is where you would actually get excellent value for Ajo, there's, there's other players that I want to pull lottery tickets on and try and win my league with the same way that, that people did with, say, Pasternak this year, right? There's a, there's a possibility of it being a league winner, and there's just no possibility of that being Sebastian Ajo, even if they retool, even if they get offensive players back and healthy, even if they bring in a free agent to really improve that on-ice total, to improve that power play, it's just not likely to happen. And when you're drafting a floor, I want it to be earlier or later in the draft. At that point in the draft, I, I want to pull lottery tickets. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. Uh, who you got at 24? Number 24, Jake Gensel, ADP 33.4, and his end-of-season rank an exceptional 35th. 36 goals, 37 assists, very even. 244 shots on goal with 83 hits and 23 power play points, which left him tied for 59th. He's down 11 points from last year, a bit of a disappointing season for Gensel uh, managers. Lowest IPP of his career by far at 60-83, and second lowest shooting percentage of his career at 14.75, but not crazy low, still a pretty decent percentage. Underlyings are pretty normal for him. Shots per 60, 71st. Individual Corsi 4 per 60, 60th. And individual scoring chances 4 per 60 was 15th. I think, as we talked about in multiple points throughout the season with what to do with Gensel, what to expect, the underlying stats were normal. They were kind of what you expect, nothing eye-popping. He was a really solid player kind of across the board from what we expect from Gensel, it should have been much better. And like I mentioned uh, with Crosby, I don't really expect that to happen for the Bruins next year. Now, perhaps he begins to shoulder more of the load and that ends up on the higher end, but I don't, it's, it's hard to feel bad about Jake Gensel. Um, and it's probably going to be a bit better next year, but I, I don't love it. I'm not I'm not inspired by it. I don't I don't have high hopes. What do you think? Yeah, I think yeah, like, like we were saying, Pittsburgh as a team needs to they need to change the structure of the roster. Um, and uh, I I do like that. I think Gensel will still be stapled to Crosby. Like they're they're not making coaching changes or anything that I know of. So. Um, Mike Sullivan's still there and Gensel's kind of been Crosby's wingman for quite a few years now. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's still probably a early third round guy in drafts next year. Um, I think I, I saw him picked in, in a lot of leagues that I was in. I saw him picked around the last pick of the second round. Um, so I think 33.4, that ADP is pretty reasonable for him, and you'd probably get really good value uh, at that point because I think this is a down year for him, like we said. I think he'll kind of get more back up to around a point per game. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm – yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying about not being super excited about Gensel. I don't think he's really – he's a really exciting guy. He's kind of Mr. Consistency, and this was kind of out of character for him this this down year. So, um, yeah. Uh, and Ooh, then number 25. Next one's going to be easy. 
This is really easy. Uh, it was Gabe Landeskog who did not play due to injury, and we don't know if he'll play next year either. Mm-hmm. Um, there haven't there hasn't really been a lot of word about him. So the obviously. The what I hear is that he may never play again. So Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing too. So that's really unfortunate. Uh, obviously, we hope the best for him, but he obviously uh, was not in the top 25 at the end of season rank. So no. um, what I'm thinking is maybe we will move, because we've gone on for about an hour and a half now. I think we'll maybe do a separate short episode about the value picks that moved into yeah. the top 25 in the end of season ranking. Um, so we'll cut it off here. We'll do another quick episode um, for the future. Um, and yeah, that's that's all we got for this episode. If you like our content, check out the Apples and Genos Patreon. You can support the show on a monthly basis and get extra perks in season, including access to the Apples and Genos Patron League, where you can battle, at, battle it out with Nate and maybe me. I don't know if I'll be invited back, but I won this year. <laughs> Uh, the defending champ, so you'd think I would be. Um, and no, that's the rule. That's the rule. If you win, you're out. You're out. Uh, you're out. And uh, you can also get extra weekly waiver wire articles and podcasts from Nate. Um, there is also a temporary off-season tier for only $2 a month where you can get early access to Nate's projections as he makes them. Uh, so you're going to want to check that out. So so head over to, to the Apples and Genos Patreon uh hop into the apples and genos discord server um there's lots of people still talking uh over there uh about fantasy hockey about dynasty leagues about the draft right now the draft's coming up so that's uh a big topic of conversation um shout outs to the band they're there for providing our music their spotify link is in our episode description give us a rating on spotify or apple Podcasts. follow us on twitter binksy is at binklemania nate is at apples genos blake is at blake creamer se and i'm at just josh and four one please practice safe stats and happy summer have a good one folks happy summer everybody mm-hmm.